Hello everybody, hope you're enjoying the Cup Games. This is FPL Teacher speaking, bringing you all of the Sunday match reviews before press conferences are settled. We start with Chelsea nil Arsenal 1, where we look at what Chelsea continue to falter with, some of the issues they have yet to iron out, and what Arsenal continue to do well before we take advantage of their fantastic fixture in Game Week 16. Chelsea, after being exposed by attempting to play the wingback system against Brighton last week, this time they reverted to a 4-2-3-1, trying to play Ruben Loftus-Cheek in his preferred central midfield role alongside Jorginho, where Mount, Kai Havertz, Sterling and Aubameyang acted as a front four in order to press Arsenal's back four down. The goal of having so many attackers without possession was to make sure that the ball did not reach Arsenal's defensive fulcrum, Thomas Partey. They constantly either positioned themselves wide, refusing to mark the fullbacks, just making sure that the ball never reached Thomas Partey or Granit Xhaka in midfield in order to turn over possession in advanced areas so that they can attack the final third with speed. So I'm going to start by addressing Chelsea's offensive issues here because no matter how they arrange their setup, they seem to run into two attacking problems. Number one, working the ball into the final third is not an issue at all. They do not need Kovacic in midfield. And really, Jorginho and Ruben Loftus-Cheek repeatedly found Kai Havertz as well as Raheem Sterling on the right-hand side in the final third. The biggest issue right now is that when Kai Havertz has the ball on the right-hand side, he has literally nobody to cross to. Aubameyang does hang at the far post, but he thrives on crosses that are driven with speed. Whereas Kai Havertz is the type of crosser that actually floats balls to the back post, ironically, for himself to finish. So the question came down to whether Chelsea could create from the left. And the unfortunate thing here was that Kukurea with a little bit more defensive responsibility unfortunately was not adventurous all the way until the second half when substitutions were made. So the question for us as observers is does the left create for the right or does the right create for the left? In this particular case, Potter tried both and it's just currently unfortunate that none of these crosses worked at least before the introduction of Conor Gallagher. In that particular case, the right created much, much more for the left side where the likes of Mount and eventually Armando Broya could shoot a lot more, albeit without fruition this time out. With Chelsea flailing an attack, how we utilize them in terms of FPL purposes comes down to attacking them since they play their final game away from home. Right now, Chelsea's issue isn't about the gaps they leave behind, it's not even about how their defensive structure is poor. In this particular 4-2-3-1, the biggest weakness is that their centre-backs lack passing options out from the back. Thiago Silva was repeatedly dispossessed or at least pressured by Gabriel Jesus with almost no help from his fullbacks simply, simply because of the way Martinelli and Saka press. Furthermore, with their fullbacks being relatively static, Kukurea vs Saka was an extremely poor matchup and this favours the likes of Newcastle's Miguel Almiron in game week 16. So if you do not have Almiron, this is the last chance to take advantage of this matchup before the World Cup break. 
Lastly, it has to be said that Chelsea in the second half also morphed into a back five where Jorginho from central midfield dropped into central defence to help shore up the box. And this sets up the likes of Bruno Guimaraes who has the ability to shoot from range while everyone else crowds around the box. Arsenal, Arsenal, Arsenal. Continuing to do what they do best, but this time not even needing plan A, as Martinelli and Saka were patiently waiting in the wings without really needing to commit too far forward into attack. The issue here was that Chelsea barely threatened them and Arsenal had majority of the ball, so it meant that individual matchups dictated how productive they were in the final third. This led to very few shots that actually were produced as part of this game as a whole. And Saka, on the right side as mentioned earlier, had the best matchup against Kukurea, repeatedly tormenting him in the first half before Chelsea switched systems. Now with this match labelled as a match between two quote-unquote top six sides, it's difficult to look into the shots as very few of them were taken and it resulted in a very cagey match. So really, we are looking for the movements that occurred throughout the match that were carried on from game to game. On the left side, Martinelli, Zaka and whatever left back they choose continue to bomb forward and this time round, the difference is that Gabriel Jesus did not peel off to the left side. Nevertheless, Granit Zaka is still a presence in the box not utilised this time, but Martinelli, at the very least, had chances when Ben White crossed from the right side, aiming at Martinelli. Conversely, the left flank also created for the right, where Granit Zaka, although not receiving the ball in prime estate within the penalty area, at least had the ball beyond the Chelsea backline, going all the way to the touchline in order to receive the ball. Now, this created space for Martinelli and he... His crosses usually were overhit given how deep Chelsea were defending and this set the stage for Ben White. The right fullback eventually bombing into the box, taking a few shots in the opening 20 minutes which set the tempo for Arsenal's domination. So for FPL purposes, we are looking at zonal matchups where Wolves are weakest because right now it is not about zonal matchups per se, but individual matchups where Arsenal can burst past a relatively naive Wolf side still yet to have Lopetegui's philosophy implemented right before the World Cup. At this stage, Wolves have two weaknesses. Number one, left back Bueno started promisingly but is starting to show defensive kinks as a young fullback. At this stage, it means that Bukayo Saka is almost certainly essential for game week 16. Secondly, Bubaka Traore in that right half space of Wolves sets the stage for anybody running past him, especially winning the ball of Bubaka Traore himself to take advantage. In this particular case, Martin Odegaard is in the best position, but Granit Zaka will also attempt to overload that particular space in order to create chances or take shots himself. So the question, with only one free transfer for most of us, comes down to which you foresee happen first. And Wolves traditionally start strong through the centre. And if you want to attack Wolves, if you believe that Arsenal will score in the opening minutes, then invest in Saka. If not, if you feel that Wolves will keep it tight in the search for their new manager, 
then you can almost certainly invest in either Zaka or Odegaard for a one-week punt right before the World Cup. This match spoke volumes about Arsenal's form going into this match as well as what Chelsea need to iron out. The systemic issues are not really there but personnel continue to be relatively inflexible even though Raheem Sterling, Mason Mount and Kai Havertz as well as Ruben Loftus-Cheek has been moved all over the pitch in order to accommodate Potter's formation after formation. While for Arsenal, well, right now, although their plan A is relatively transparent and predictable, they have this added dimension where individual matchups are currently favouring a lot of their starting 11 players. This is FPL Teacher speaking who will continue with the Sunday reviews hopefully before all of the press conferences are done. Stay tuned.